The following is a production of the PTB Soccer Podcast Network, the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast Network. The views expressed on the show are those of the host and solely of the host. For more information, follow the PTB Soccer Network on Instagram at PTB Soccer. That's on Instagram at PTB Soccer. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 67 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. And I wish, I've been saying this a lot lately, I wish I was coming to you on better terms. That's right, because our Benfica did it again. They dropped two more points in Famalicão. And, well, we'll hear from the manager or the interim manager Nelson Verissimo in just a little bit, and I'm not a fan of the way he's looking at it. Uh, I'll be quite honest. Um, why is it impossible for a manager to just say we don't, we're not executing, we're not playing well? Don't tell me we're playing well. Don't. You just blew two more points. You were winning. With 10 minutes to play. In fact, I've got it right here. You gave up the game-tying goal in the 84th minute. Okay? The 84th minute. Why is Nelson Verissimo making a ridiculous substitution? Okay, he at 81, he subs on Samadish and Rafa for Gabriel and Cervi. Franco Cervi... Is is like your defensive midfielder on the on the left side. He's not a defensive mid, but you understand. Franco Cervi ends up being the one responsible for the majority of the defensive work along the left flank. Last episode, we talked about Gabriel's man of the match performance, and we talked about how much of his heat map was was positioned on in his defensive half on the left. You have a kid playing left back. You are winning 1-0. What on earth are you bringing Rafa on at that stage for? That makes absolutely zero sense. I don't care what coaching badges you have. I don't care how much football you've studied. That makes no sense to anybody. And then Samadhi's just caught caught out of position also. He's caught flat-footed a little bit. Of course, he, he never plays, so... <laughs> I mean... He never plays, and you put him in there in Gabriel's position, which is not really suited for him. That, I don't know. You can make one substitution and not the other. Well, you can sub Samadij on, but you cannot sub Samadij and Rafa on and take off Franco Cervi. You blew the whole match right there with that substitution. You really couldn't leave Cervi on nine more minutes? 
13 if you count the stoppage time. This is the kind of things that cannot happen at Benfica. And then you can't go to the press and say that your team played well and that your players worked hard and that, yeah, you're frustrated, but, uh, you know, you they need to be congratulated. No, you don't get congratulated for dropping two points. It's not just Nelson Verissimo. These players look like it's acceptable to come in second place in the Portuguese league. That's not the case when you play at Benfica. There's only one outcome in terms of the league that is acceptable, especially right now when your rival is in the financial state they're in, when their team is is as poor as it is. It's not good enough to just take a point and to put off letting the other team celebrate till next week. That's just a crappy attitude. Like I said, the culture in this team is horrible. Again, you substitute Jota on in the 88th minute. What are you doing with this kid? Why does PZ play 88 minutes? Just because he scores a goal? And yes, I think PZ sometimes takes an unfair amount of the blame. He takes the brunt of the uh, of the supporters' frustration. More, I have more frustration towards Andre Almeida than any other player in that team right now, from what I can see from where I sit. But again, it's just the same mistakes being made over and over and over and over again. This team needs a manager badly. We need a proper manager that can manage a team, and we need to bring in players that can play, that are made. We cannot continue to make these mistakes. We can't keep playing with with a left back that is playing up next to the striker all the time just because we're trying to score goals. It's not the kid's fault. Our system is just... we. If, if I were playing Benfica, I would know what to... I mean... I would set up my team with with a high line because it's the same setup every time we play out of the back, okay? The two central defenders, and in today's case, it, it's Ruben and it's Jardel, split wide. Weigel shows up in the space in between. Weigel gets the ball, and he plays to one of the center backs, and then we play it to one of the outside backs. And if we're lucky, there's room to carry the ball further. If not, we, we look for Gabriel. We lock a long ball. We lose it. We start over. Am I being a little unfair? Perhaps I'm being a little unfair. But you know what? I'm getting sick and tired of spending my time watching this team just go through the motions. They're not even angry. They're not even bothered that they blew the championship. I can see it in their faces. It's like, oh well, the next season starts soon. You have how many millions of fans behind you? You represent them. That crest on your jersey is not just a patch that is sewn on to a jersey and not to get on the jersey. But why are they wearing those ridiculous gray jerseys again? I cannot wait until those jerseys are no longer part of the rotation. I can't wait till next season for that. That's one reason I can't wait for next season. I don't ever want to see those dark gray jerseys again. The, that kit is just horrendous. And the the other team is not wearing red. Why are you wearing that crap? It's probably because Adidas makes you. I, I get that. I'm just venting a little bit here. Um, but yeah, not happy with, with Verissimo's comments. Not happy with the players just content 
They're just content to go about their business. Like everything, like it's been working well the last 13 weeks. Two wins in what, 13 now? Maybe three wins in 13? This is Benfica. This isn't Vitoria Stubal. No disrespect to the smaller teams, but this, we're not one of those teams. We're Benfica. This cannot become the norm. And then you got Luis Vieira more concerned on JJ than anything else. And, um, well, what happens if we don't get JJ? What's the plan? What's going to fix the problems we have on this team? You're going to go get another yes man, LFV? Is that what you're going to do? Is JJ the only one that you'll cede power to? What if he stays in Brazil? You'll hear in the news later what I think. Um, this this I wasn't going to record this podcast today, actually. I was going to save it for tomorrow. But given um, reports today, I'm going on what I, I've read and I've seen. And I, there's a lot of conflicting reports. And depending which ones you happen to read and which ones you didn't, you might have two completely different ideas of where this is going. So I'm going to change up the format in this episode today, okay? Um, we're going to start by looking at the match. We're going to run through it quickly. I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this match, okay? It's aggravating, and there's a lot of other content out there that's very good breaking down the match. Quite frankly, um, the, the, the topic right now, the hot-button topic, is the coaching vacancy and the situation. And when I see this referee blow the whistle for full time, and I see if he could drop two more points. And then I see Nelson Verissimo high-fiving and hugging Tiago Pinto. Are you kidding me? Do you think that this is acceptable? I think that the, the everyone in that team, from the staff to the players to, to the board, are delusional without fans in the stadium. I don't think they know the difference between a good match and a bad one. Clearly, if you're high-fiving and hugging after that, I don't care how well you played from minute zero to minute 90. You need results. When your team drops points the way... like When you're dropping points the way we are, where wins have become hard to come by, you need results. This isn't youth football. This is not the juniors. It's not the B team. It's not about a progression. This is the first team. It's about results. And I don't normally get this much turned into this much of a results-based person. I like my football a certain way too. But at the end of the day, when it's my team, my club, the club I invest far too much of my time into, okay, hours each week, watching matches, recording, you know, content, Reading, reading news, keeping up. I invest this much into, and I see you guys high-fiving after a, a draw to Fumily Cow. I don't care what place they're in. Those are all players that cannot make your team. How many Benfica players are in that Fumily Cow side at best? Two? Their center back was Roderick Miranda. We sent him away years ago. The kid that scored, Google, we sent him away. He wasn't good enough for us. We have a guy on loan there, Diogo Gonçalves. He didn't even play. 
Their other best player, Tony Martinez, didn't even play. He was suspended. Fabio Martinez can't even make it at Braga. Never mind one of the big three. Well, like, where do you think that this is an acceptable result? All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to pay a bill, and we're going to get right into this match. All right, this is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustini. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. And you can also check me out on YouTube. I have my own channel now and uh, there's a few videos up there. Not as many as I'd like, but there's some up there. Just search Mr. Benfica on YouTube and check out www.mrbenfica.com. I'll be right back. Saímos aqui frustrados com o resultado, acho que a equipa fez um, um jogo muito competente, uh, em casa de um adversário difícil, uh, criámos muitas oportunidades de gol para sair daqui com outro resultado, uh, mas no fim o que fica a contar é o, é o resultado, Empatamos, acabamos por empatar o gol, mas acho que globalmente fizemos um, um jogo consistente, uh, em muitos muitas momentos do jogo uh, a controlá-lo. Um, e tenho que acabar por dar os parabéns aos, aos nossos jogadores que tiveram, tiveram aqui uma postura muito de grande compromisso, com muita competência uh, e dignificaram a camisola do Benfica. That's the interim manager, Nelson Verissimo, there. And um, basically saying what I said in the previous segment, that he's basically saying that we're frustrated with the result, but we played well. And our players should be congratulated. I'll summarize it. He said more than that, but it doesn't matter. Nelson Verissimo just lost all credibility with that press conference. Okay. The benefit of the doubt is gone. He's not ready to be a manager. Not at a club like Benfica. Not, and maybe he never will be if that's the attitude you take into the match. And that you take out of it after blowing another lead. How many leads this season is this team going to blow? How many points have we dropped in matches where we were leading? It's embarrassing. I'm sorry, but it's embarrassing. There's nothing to be proud of here. There's absolutely nothing to be proud of. And he is the culprit for dropping the two points because his decision to make an uh, to make an absolutely boneheaded substitution in the 81st minute. Okay, I'm going to talk about... This is the sticking point for me, actually. Um... I'm not going to talk much about X's and O's today because it it's going nowhere at this point. You know, it doesn't matter how well you play for 80 minutes if you don't get the... And I'm not even saying they played well, but in his mind, they played well, okay? When we look at the statistics, we look at some analytics, and we look at the ratings of the players on the field, here's a problem every single week. Befica's expected goals through goal point is always higher than their actual goals. Their opponents expected goals, and you can make what you want out of, out of analytics, but their opponents expected goals are always less than their actual goals. We always give up more than we should and score less than we should. Week after week, I'm reading these ratings, and the opposing goalkeeper's got a huge rating every week. Okay? They're not having career matches against us week after week. We can't score week hit the goalkeeper with everything even on our goal come on 
Seferovich misses again. That's all he does is miss from point-blank range. Hits the goalie. Fortunately, the rebound fell to PZ who can't miss from there. And he's still, you know, I wouldn't have been surprised. Absolutely frustrating. And to come out and say they played well, that's just disrespectful to everyone that follows this club. Everyone who takes all their free time and devotes it to this club. Under normal circumstances, there's people that take any extra money they have and any spare time they have to follow this club, to, to go to away matches, to go to the islands when they play in the islands, to go to the Stadio de Luz where half of the fans are more interested in taking selfies than in watching the matches. And then there's the other half suffering with every match and, and just die, living and dying with this team. And then this interim manager is being given the chance of a lifetime to manage Befica, even if it's for six games. Even for six games, he should... It's. It, I'm losing the words. I'm not finding the words anymore to describe this. You're given a golden opportunity, maybe not to advance your career, but how many of us are fortunate enough to, to manage Benfica for one game, for one match? How many of us would, would... What would we give to get that opportunity for one match? This guy was given six. It's a gift because he's clearly not qualified for the position. He's got six matches. Clearly he doesn't have the mentality for it. He's too much of a book coach, I'm guessing, because this is one problem. You have two types of co managers in football. And in Portugal, it's really like two kinds. You have the ex-player and you have the manager that's made in the university. Two extremes. The perfect coach probably lies somewhere in between them. But you have two extremes, and you have someone like this who reads all these books and has all this theory and all, you know, and, and makes everything look nice on paper. And then in practice, cannot, cannot, he cannot put it on the field and cannot actually manage the game because a, a match is not played on paper, it's not played in a dossier. This isn't, this isn't football manager on a computer. Then you have the ex-players. You have like a Sergio Conceição, who the X's and O's don't don't matter to him, and he just gets his players to lower their heads and run through a wall if necessary. The great managers lie somewhere in between there. Okay, Georges Azuz is somewhere in between there. He played a little. He may not be book smart, but he's intelligent. And there's that name again. Marcelo Gallardo is an ex-player. But he, he understands the nuances. Just because you played the match doesn't make you a genius at reading it. And just because you can read the match and just because you can can put it down on paper and you can read 100 books a year on, on possession, on systems of play, doesn't mean that you can put it into practice when you take your squad onto the pitch. We got three book managers in a row, three students in a row. And it's 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 sad how our club has deteriorated. All right, I'm going to run through the run through the f match facts quickly. All right, I'm not going to take up too much of you guys' time tonight. You've been hearing a lot of me lately. I'm putting out a lot of podcasts, and quite frankly, this is the least happy I've been about doing it. 
I don't know since I can remember, but it's it's um, round thirty one of the Ligonage. It's Thursday, July the ninth, and we are at the Stadio Municipal, 22 de Junho, Vila Nova de Famalicão in northern Portugal, and we're gonna have the eleven. Starting with the home side in goal is Rafael Defendi. The four across the back is Richelli on the right. Patrick um, in the middle. Partnering up with Roderick, who actually captained our squad once. Uh, I wonder if you all remember that. Um, he was one of the youngest to ever captain Benfica when he was promoted from the B team. And um, yeah, he also came on in that match against Porto. Yeah, let's. Yeah, I'm still traumatized from that. Um, <laughs> and if we're on the eve of a return from JJ, uh, that I'm having bad flashbacks of a uh, maybe JJ's worst decision ever <laughs> was bringing that guy onto the pitch. But anyhow, this is a guy we we developed, and um, my point is this team is made up of guys that shouldn't be able to keep up with ours, that shouldn't be able to outplay ours. The left back is Racine Coley. In midfield, four in midfield. Down the right is Fabio Martins, the on-loan Sporting Braga player. Two in the middle, Uros Racic and Gustavo Asuncao. And Ruben Lameiras down the left. Uh, Diogo Gonçalves is not not playing in this match per the agreement of his loan from Benfica to Famalicão. Up front, Ruben Del Campo and Pedro Gonçalves, top scorer, or I should say star. He's not the top scorer, but the star. Tony Martinez is not in the lineup. Benfica's 11. Odi's in goal. André Almeida on the right. Ruben and Jardel in the middle. Noon Tavares on the left. No real surprises there in midfield. PZ on the right, Weigel and Gabriel, a duo that's actually starting to come together um, in the center of the park. Um, probably our best combination right now. Weigel's consistent, and many of you are saying he's not being used. He's not being used to his full potential. He's not being utilized or maximized properly. Gabriel is, now that the championship is over, is starting to play some football again. And on the left, we have Franco Cervi, who is, as you know, the probably most important player in the 11 defensively because he protects the left back, which is where all our goals come from. Okay, when he's not there, we surrender goals down our left side. Keep that in mind. Up front, Chiquinho starts again over Rafa. And the striker is the ever-potent Swiss assassin with three goals this season, Harris Seferovic. Andre Almeida has more goals than your starting striker. But let's roll out Seferovic once again. He must be the world's best training player. He must look like Lionel Messi in training because this is the third manager now. You got Rui Vitoria, you got Bruno Lage, and now Nelson Verissimo, who just cannot resist the temptation to keep starting Seferovic. You have the league's top scorer on your bench. And it looks like he's just... 
you know, Carlos Vinicius being on the bench, and you know what? He looks like he's a little too nice of a guy, too. He doesn't seem too upset. You see him on the bench, he's just whatever about it. I mean, I just don't get it. There doesn't seem to be a competitive fiber in these guys. Severovich starting makes no sense. It's it's as if he played well last game or the one before that or the one before that. I, I'm, I'm done trying to figure this out. Anyway, we'll go into the match facts quickly, like I said, through the ticker. Let's get right to the goal. It's, um, we're in... Minute 36 right here, okay? And um, it is none other than Peasy. Have a listen here, courtesy of Goal TV in Espanol here in the United States. And that's Peasy with the goal. Right-footed shot. Can't miss. Inside the, the the goal area. It it was as it was laid up right there for him. The goalie even put it right onto his run. Uh no way he could miss that. And you'd think Benfica were were on their way. And you'd think they'd be looking for a second goal, maybe. I don't know. You know, they've 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 lost a few leads over over the last couple of weeks. Maybe they should go for a second, you know, and, and kind of repeat what they did last week. Last week went well, didn't it, when you tried to add to your lead? Well, no. I mean, they played a... You heard Nelson Verdici, he thinks they played like... He made it sound like they're Barcelona playing tiki-tac and just were unlucky. So, if that's what he saw, that's what he saw, but... Uh, we're we're going to move right to the second half, all right? Um, and it's the 81st minute. This is this is the thing that ruins the whole match for me. As he makes the substitution, Chervy plays, okay? He does not make the starting lineup or doesn't stay on this roster for his offensive ability. Yes, he has the he has should have had the assist on the goal, but the problem is Seferovic is in such bad form that he robbed his teammate of an assist because he couldn't finish a sitter in front of the goal. But Chervi plays over Rafa right now because you have a teenager playing left back and he needs help. Because at Benfica, we have this this thing now where we develop outside defenders, outside backs who can't defend. And it's very easy to s- why they can't defend. It's because they play for Benfica through their youth program. And Benfica, in youth, every time they take the pitch, is better than the other team. It's almost never, even in the in the UEFA Youth League, even against the top teams, okay, with the exception of maybe Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Ajax, maybe. But from a technical standpoint, they're always better than the other team. So you know what they'd never have to do? They never have to defend, which makes for a possible, hor- possibly horrible transition from youth football to senior football if they don't get enough reps in the B team where they actually have to defend sometimes. 
And a lot of times they don't have to defend there either. A lot of times, even if they don't win, they are controlling the game. They're the ones that keep the ball. And that's understandable on a developmental team. But when you skip important steps, whether you're Tomas Tavares or Nun Tavares or whoever you are, when you skip steps, then you have a you have a huge weakness in your game and you have not worked on it at the appropriate levels and you come into the senior side, the first team, and you have to insert another player into the lineup just to cover up for your weaknesses. And I'm not saying Chervy does not deserve to play. Okay? The guy works harder than probably any of the other 11, the other 10 in the starting 11. Okay? And Nun Tavares is not to blame for this. I don't. I'm tired of people blaming these these kids when they're not when they're set up to fail by their club. Yes, I lose my mind every time I look, and he's he's up near the corner flag attacking Nuntavarsh. That is, there's always a huge gap in in behind Gabriel over his left shoulder. And then what happens? You have 40 year old Jardel who tries to step out and tries to get into that space. Well, Gabriel is off. Samarij is on, and the ball gets in behind him, and, you know, the defender's up the pitch where he normally is. Cherdevi's not there, and Rafa comes on. Rafa's not a def- you Asking Rafa to defend is like asking PZ to play goalie for crying out loud. And basically, you get a, you get a nice squared ball. From our left, from their right, it finds our former youth player, Guga, and he buries it. Because unlike Jackson Martinez, he doesn't put it in the parking lot. Unlike that, he he plays like a professional against whoever he's playing against. And I don't want to hear any complaints about his celebration either. I'm getting sick of people, especially Portuguese media, criticizing every single celebration. And the kid scored a goal in, against Benfica. Let him celebrate. He earned it. He doesn't owe them anything. He doesn't owe us anything. He doesn't owe us an, uh, an apology for scoring. Yeah, it's a nice gesture when players do it, but it's not owed. It's not like we made them into into a, a global superstar. This isn't João Felix, who, who from Benfica, you know, went onto the world stage and became one of the richest players in the world. Maybe he owes us something. Guga? No, Guga earned earned his goal. And it's 1-1. And, you know, the manager on the day, Nelson Verissimo, decides it's a good time to sub out Peasy, your joint leading goal scorer. Bring on Jota, the kid. The kid who can't buy any minutes. The kid who plays in every match but comes on for f- five minutes or less. What are you doing to that kid? If this is about the academy informing players, we're failing miserably because we're setting them all up to fail. We're bringing Jota in when he's got no chance to do anything. You're putting, you're debuting the three Tavares in the Champions League against RB Leipzig. I'm sorry, but the whole the whole model of this club is broken, and it needs to be fixed. It's affecting the first team now. We lost a championship because of the mentality of this club. Well, 
that's full time. Uh, let's go to the goal point. Uh, the ratings starting with Fumley Co. Their top player, like all our opponents, is the goalkeeper, Rafael Defendi, 8.2. Patrick William is a 5.2. Richelli, 6.6. Roderick, 5.8. Coley, 5.0. Fabio Martins, 6.2. Pedro Gonçalves, 5.5. Uh, Gustavo Assunção, 4.9. Racic, 5.6. And Lamedes, 4.3. Del Campo, 4.4. As for the substitutes, Anderson Silva. No, not that one. I say it every time. Uh, 5.1. Walterson, 5.3. Evil Pinto, 5.0. And Guga, 6.4. Better than a lot of the starters for Benfica. Benfica, Flaco Dimo, 6.5. Andre Almeida, 6.6. Ruben Dias, 5.4. He has not been very good lately. Jardel, 7.1. Did everything he could. Nuntavar, 6.2. Chervi, 7.0. Gabriel, 7.1. Good thing we took them off. Uh, we might have won. We risked winning by leaving them on there. Shikinu, 5.5. Weigel, 6.6. Peasy's got an 8.3. Um, he's the man of the match. And I'm not even going to get into his heat map because his hottest spot on the heat map is the corner flag from all the corner kicks he took. And Seferovic with a f- usual 5.5. Off the bench, Vinicius has a 4.8. Uh, in terms of statistics, shots on goal, Benfica. Uh, sorry, shots, Benfica 20, Fumalicão 12 on goal, 9 for Benfica, 5 for Fumalicão. From inside the area, 14. 14 shots from inside the area, 1 goal to show for it. An expected goals of 2.6. <sighs> Passes, 440 for Fumalicão, 444 for us. Uh, pass efficiency, 82.5% fumbly count to our 82.9%, essentially even in the passing game. Uh, vertical pass efficiency, we had a six point, uh, 67.4 to their 63.8. Possession, slightly our advantage, fi- 51 to 49%. Um, fouls, they had we had 16, they had 12. Duels won, we won 52 to their... 32, so we're working harder apparently and getting less accomplished according to that statistic. But again, statistics are just numbers. They don't tell the whole story, but here's one. Corners, we have eight again. They had four. We have another insane 20 crosses to their 10. One goal to show for it. All right. That's gonna. That's it for talking about this match. When we come back, we're going to get into the news. All right? It's going to be a long one. So uh, stay right there. Don't go away. Here's Reconquista coming up. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O 
by one one story of course and that is the coaching vacancy at Sport Lisboa Benfica and with the result yesterday uh, against Famalicão I don't think that anyone was considering it before but it is clear that Nelson Verissimo is not ready to be a manager not for Benfica uh, gotta wonder what happens to Nelson Verissimo at the end of this little uh, at the end of this season perhaps he can he can get this squad together and fight for the cup but he will certainly not be leading the team next year who will be well we'll get to that a little bit later in this segment, let's first go to the results for round 31 in the Liga Nage starting earlier this week. Starting on Wednesday, July the 8th, with Boavista at home dropping a tough one. 1-0 to the visiting Maritimu in the Madeira inside. Picks up another victory. Already relegated Sportiv de Zabsh. Pick up a 1-0 victory against relegation contenders Vitoria Stubal. Vitoria Stubal misses a an opportunity to distance themselves from the line, from the drop zone. Um, they are just three points clear at this time. And the team right behind them played yesterday, Thursday, July the 9th. It was Portimonense traveling to Vilo do Conde to take on Riwav in a crucial match for both teams, but for different reasons. Riwav wins 2-1, picks up the three points, and moves into that all-important fifth-place position, holding on to a Europa League qualifying spot for next season right now by one point as it stands. Tondela 1, Porto 3, and the Dragons are now within a point of the championship this one is over, folks. <laughs> Turn out the lights. The party's over. We have a matter of of days to remain as defending champions. Um, and we got nobody to blame but ourselves. Let's be perfectly honest. Benfica have no one to blame this season but themselves. Porto were more than willing to let them keep the title. They dropped so many points down the stretch. But Benfica dropped more. And, of course, talking about Benfica, which is the topic, of course, of this podcast. Benfica travel north to Vila Nova de Famalicão. And Famalicão come away with a 1-1 draw, earning a point and keeping pace. They're one back from Riuav right now. And then today, Vitória Guimarães won Gil Vicente to Sporting, led by 
Ruben Amorim, of course, 1-0 victors today um, over Santa Clara as the Azorian side are now guaranteed mathematically also that they are going to stay in the first division. And their president tweeted this week that it is the first time in the club's history that the Azorian club will play three consecutive seasons in the first division. Congratulations are in order to Santa Clara. And just concluding a little while ago, Passage de Ferreira won Sporting Club Braga 5. One more match to go in this round, and it will be played tomorrow on July the 11th. It'll be Bulenes Saad at the City of Football hosting Morerense. Now let's go to the standings, all right, in the table and run it down really quickly. Porto, of course, one point from being champion, are in first with 76 points. Benfica now eight back. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable that we are eight back of that team. Again, nobody to blame but ourselves. You've already heard what I thought of the match yesterday. You already know, you know, you already know how that one went. And Benfica now second with 68 points. While Sporting are third with 59. Fourth is Sporting Braga with their win today. They have 56 and they solidify themselves in fourth. While Hiwav move into fifth after their victory. Uh, they're one ahead of sixth place. Fumlicon, Hiwav have 50. Fumlicon 49 and in seventh. Still with an outside shot for that fifth place. That all important fifth place is Vitoria Gimaraj with 46 points. The next group of teams, the ones no longer fighting for Europe, but safe from relegation. You have an 8th place Moreirense with 39 points. Same as ninth place Gil Vicente. Uh, Moreirense with a far better goal difference. Again, not sure how that head-to-head matchup went this season. So in the last day of the season, we'll see who wins that out if both teams go ahead and match each other's performance through the last three matches of the season. 10th place, of course, is the club we talked about just a few moments ago from the Azores. Santa Clara on 38 points. Boa Vista also on 38 points in 11th. Maritimo up to 12th on 37. And now you get close to the drop zone in 13th. It's Passage Ferreira with 34 points. 14th is Bolinesh Saad, the team led by Petit. They're four points safe right now in 14th with 31 points. Um... 15th is Tondela, they've got 30, and Vitoria Stuhl are 16th, also with 30. Both of those teams are three points safe for now, as Portimonas failed to capitalize and failed to pick up the three points to pull level with those two teams. In the event of a three-team tie, uh, Tondela will, will be ahead with a minus 15 goal difference, while Stubal and Portimonas have a minus 16, uh, minus 17, excuse me, goal difference. However, if Portimonense pick up the three points, they're obviously going to improve that goal difference and pull ahead of Vitoria Stubal, possibly ahead of Tondela, depending how they do. And in last place, already relegated, Dusportiv does Avs. Let's look at next week's fixtures, the next round. Starting on Monday, Maritimu host Riuav. On Madeira Island in Funchal, Vitoria Stubal host Fumalicão, who are desperately chasing Hiwav. They'll already know Hiwav's result when they take the pitch at the at the um, 
in Stubal and um, they'll they'll know what they need to do to keep pace with Riuav on Tuesday. Santa Clara host Avj at the City of Football. Uh, also, Portimonense host Boavista. They've got to win. They're hitting a point where they need to win. Portimonense's life in the first division now on the line in these last three matches. Also on Tuesday, Benfica host Vitória Guimarães and Gilles Vicente have a little regional derby as they host Tondela. And then on Wednesday, three more matches in the round. Moreirense host Passos de Ferreira. Sporting Braga host Bolinas Sad. Also in danger now. They're going to need another win to get away from that drop zone. And possibly, possibly for the title, Wednesday night, the last game, it'll be 4.30 p.m. here on the east coast of the United States. It'll be 1.30 p.m. on the west coast of the United States. In Portugal, it'll be it'll be at 9.30 p.m. local time. It is Porto, the champions-elect for all intents and purposes, Hosting Sporting Club de Portugal. Um, and after tonight's match, uh, after Sporting's victory tonight, manager Ruben Amorim was asked about this match and he did give a comment and he said that he is glad that Porto have not yet clenched the title. He says this is a huge learning experience for his players. He said, and I'm translating this from Abola, and he says, I want that the players, um, especially the younger ones feel this pressure. I want to go in. I want to go into this game like always to win. And if Porto are champions on that pitch on Wednesday night, the players will feel that they will have to see their opponents celebrate and will have to feel that pain of surrendering a title. We play always to win, he says. And win or lose, our players will grow one way or another. But our objective is always to win. Those are the words of Huben Amuri. Um, Benfiquistas, the most faithful of Benfiquistas, will be holding their breath, crossing their fingers, rooting for our neighbors, our arch rivals, to beat our other arch rivals and let us remain champions for at least another week. But you know what? If we don't get the three points on Tuesday against Vitória Guimarães, then that could be it. That would be it, yes. Um, at that point, Porto will be champions on the sofa. And um, Ruben's hope here would, would not would not be fulfilled. Um, and then we move to after that. That will be the following round. We'll start the following Saturday. So let's look at the, the scoring leaders right now. As things have turned here. As we now have a race for the Golden Boot, Carlos Vinicius is still the top scorer with 17 goals. Hey, Verissimo, maybe you can start him one of these games. It's just an idea. He's top of the league. No, you no. Let's keep starting Seferovic, who has fewer goals than than Andre Almeida. Ugh. Braga's Paulinho has pulled level now. He also has 17. Um, Vinicius has the the tiebreaker because he has no penalty goals. However, Paulinho has two penalty goals, so he has pulled ahead of Pizzi, who also has 17, but four of his goals have come from the penalty spot. Imagine if he hadn't missed another four. He'd be sitting on 21 goals right now, top of the league. Fourth place in the scoring race right now is Mehdi Taremi of Hiwav. He's got 14, 
And Fabio Abreu has 12. After that, a number of players come in with 10. So that's that's where the league sits right now. But I know that's not what you're listening to the <laughs> this segment for. Um, everybody's only talking about one thing right now. We know we've lost the league. We know Porto are going to be champions. We got nobody to blame but, but ourselves. But who is going to be the next Befica manager? Well, I was ready to come on here tonight and say that I have done a complete 180. And I'm now, as of a couple hours ago, I fully believe that George Zouge was on his way back to Benfica. Uh, watched, I watched uh, Flamengo play against Fluminense the other the other day in the Tasa Rio final. Um, assuming Flamengo was going to win. They were going to lift the cup. They were going to win the Campeonato Carioca as a result. And Jorge Jesus could ride off into the sunset and come to Benfica. Jorge Jesus' body language in that match was telling me he was very much considering going to Benfica. And perhaps he is and was. Um, he, he was not his normal self. And he had the look on his, on his face like something else was on his mind other than that final. So... I was ready to come on here tonight and just say that I that I fully believed Georges Azouge is on his way to Benfica. And just a few hours ago, ESPN Brazil released an article. And the headline reads, Jorge Azouge está cada vez mais próximo de trocar o Flamengo pelo Benfica, informa Mauro César. So Mauro César is the ESPN Brazil reporter. And he goes on to say that and I should translate that headline for you. The headline is George Zouge is every day closer to tra- trading Flamengo for Benfica, according to the journalist Mauro Cesar. Now he also says here, o Benfica deu passos importantes na tentativa de contratar George Zouge e assim tirá-lo do Flamengo. Benfica have taken important steps um, in their effort to to sign George Zouge and take him from Flamengo and ESPN Brazil's Mauro Cesar reports on his blog okay on the portal UOL that the president of the Portuguese club he's talking of course about our president Luis Felipe Vieira um, has managed in the last few hours this is this is written only maybe three four hours ago that he has managed to to convince the manager this is what Mauro Cesar is saying. He also goes on to say some things that I had me legitimately excited. Okay, um, those of you that listen to this podcast week in week out have heard me in the past talk about who I wanted Benfica to sign to replace João Felix. Okay, if you don't remember, it's a it, it is a Flamengo player. It's none other than Bruno Henrique. And if you don't remember, I was really really put off by the fact that. That um, you know, for the for the simple fact of Bruno Henrique being twenty seven or twenty eight years old, that he's too old to come to Benfica because he doesn't have that resale value that Luis Felipe loves. Well, according to this Mauro Cesar, he said that George Zouge was also um, negotiating and telling the the president, or that they came to a uh, an agreement that that George Zouge would bring with him three Flamengo players which I found strange to think he was going to take three. Um, but he did He did 
report this model says that George Jesus was on the verge of joining Benfica and bringing with him Leo Pereira, Gerson and Bruno Henrique and uh, <laughs> I got excited when I read that mostly for Bruno Henrique I don't know how Benfica is going to afford these players to be honest with you, Gerson is a young player, and I think his future is at Real Madrid or Barcelona, Juventus, PSG, Manchester City, Manchester United. His future is, Gerson's future is in the top five or six teams in the world. Um, I could see Benfica trying to be one step ahead and trying to get him now before he makes that leap but I'm sh but he is not I didn't look up his value on transfer market but there's no way he is a cheap uh, a cheap player um, but as far as from a footballing standpoint and for the needs of Benfica Bruno Henrique is exactly what we need that supporting forward that can set up the strikers we have three strikers and nobody to set them up but that was earlier today and now, this came out from Ebola in the last hour, unfortunately. It's now midnight in Portugal because it's 7 p.m. here in the United States on the East Coast. As I say this, it's midnight. Friday night, that is. It's July the 10th. And as of 11.15, 23.15, today, Lisbon time, so 45 minutes ago, Abala reports that Globo, which is the Brazilian media company, Globo, uh, I'll read it in Portuguese for Globo Avança. Jesus jantou com Landim e garantiu que fica. What that means in English, Globo announces or reports that Jesus has had dinner with Landim and he has guaranteed that he will stay. Okay, According to Globo Sport, um, they have said it is practically guaranteed that George Jesus will stay as the manager of Flamengo, even though it's all it's known the interest of Benfica to bring George Jesus back to the Luge. According to Global, George Jesus had dinner with Rodolfo Landin, the president of Flamengo, um, and it was actually last night interestingly enough and um, he gave him his word and told him that his wish is to continue with the project at Flamengo which he re uh, renewed just a few weeks ago and his contract runs against uh, runs until June 2021 remember of course uh, part of the big attraction for George Jesus to stay at Flamengo and I hadn't thought of this as I was as I was you know giving my opinion both here on this space and on the Jota Jota podcast um, that I have over on the PTB Soccer Network and that I've also shared here on this feed um, is that the Maracanã which is Flamengo's home stadium is hosting this year's Copa Libertadores final or at least is scheduled to do so Everything is, of course, got a question mark next to it due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And the belief in many, and I had bought into this belief, was that football was not going to return this year in Comneball or in the Brasileirão. And with that, 
it becomes very realistic and very understandable that Georges Zouge would would use one of the clauses in his contract, and his clause does allow for him to leave to a specific couple of teams in which it has been confirmed Benfica is one of those teams. Um, it would have been understandable for him to exercise that clause to continue his career. The man is 65 years old, and I don't think he wants to stay idle for you know a calendar year and wait until 2021 to manage again. Um, however, Globo Sport, which is the main media company in Brazil, is reporting at this hour, essentially, that... Jorge Jesus is staying at Flamengo. So, makes it very hard to podcast. This is not what I was prepared to say tonight on the podcast. I was prepared to say that I I had come around to the idea. Not so much because I didn't think... Uh, not so much because I don't think Jorge Jesus can and will help Benfica or would help Benfica. I never expected... Even though I know Luis Felipe Vieira is absolutely desperate, I never expected the absolute crazy offer he was going to drop in this uh, this immense pressure he's putting George Jesus under to commit, especially when George Jesus has two matches now. Had he, had they won the Copa Rio, Flamengo would have been Carioca champions, the champions of the Rio de Janeiro state in Brazil. Okay, in Brazil, state championships are still a big deal. Not so much to their European manager, in this case, Jorge Jesus, but to the fans, the torcida, to to the press, the public, the state championships still matter. And when you have Flamengo, Fluminense in the final, Okay, it's just like if Benfica played Sporting for a, you know, what they used to call a Taça da Honra, the AFL, the 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 Lisbon FA's uh, regional championship, which they tried bringing back a couple summers ago. It was a preseason match. But when you have Benfica versus Sporting, it still matters, preseason or not. Essentially, the state championships have become like a preseason in Brazil, like a preseason competition heading into the Brasileirão. But... Again, this is Flamengo versus Fluminense, bitter rivals from the same city. And, um, well, again, it is the, the winner of the Taça Guanabara versus the winner of the Taça Rio. Flamengo had a chance to win both and not have to play this this final. Unfortunately, now they got to play a two-legged final in the same stadium, both legs in the same stadium because, of course, the two clubs share the Maracanã and... They're going to play Sunday, the 12th of July, okay? Available on Flat TV, on face, on YouTube, excuse me, 3 p.m. U.S. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Portuguese Time. Um, that's going to be the first leg, and then I believe Wednesday, the 18th, or Thursday, the 18th, 16th, excuse me, is going to be the second leg, okay? So it is Wednesday, I believe, because on when I expected. First, I expected Flamengo to win. They didn't. But when they lost in penalties on uh, w- this past Wednesday night and set up this two-match final, um, by today I was expecting that after these two matches, Jorge Jesus would, would rescind his contract. He'd exercise his clause, and he'd be in Lisbon within a few days, and he would probably have to quarantine. I'm not sure right now what the travel 
uh, restrictions are from Brazil to Portugal because the situation in Brazil is much different than that in Portugal. Okay, so there probably would be a quarantine period that George Zuzu would have to adhere to before he could in, uh, before he could assign with Benfica. And I was ready to come on here tonight. And in fact, I I pushed up recording this podcast to to talk about this today because originally my plan was to do the podcast tomorrow and to get it out by Sunday morning. But with this developing, I was going to do it tonight and do Jota Jota tomorrow and get that out by Sunday's match. However, it's up in the air. So, you know what? You're going to have to listen to Jota Jota later this weekend. Um, It is in Portuguese, but you're going to have to listen to it. And uh, that's where we'll see. We'll see where we are on Sunday or tomorrow night, Saturday night. See if anything new develops, okay? But um, as soon as something is official, I will record a quick podcast, a short one, um, given my thoughts, whatever that is, okay? So we want to talk about um, also in Brazil the way they're reacting. As I take a look here, I'm going to quickly read a couple of the headlines. And this is another reason I thought Jorge Jesus was on his way to Benfica, okay? Um Wednesday night, George Azuz refused any questions about his future. Okay, the Brazilian media noticed him very what they called apathetic um, and apprehensive in the match, very quiet on his sideline Wednesday night in a final of all things. And then the and then there's a there's a headline here that says Brazilians talk about um, a George Azuz much more. They said pensativo and Reservado, which in English means much more thoughtful and reserved. Not at all the George Zouge we're used to. I took this as, man, he really is coming to Benfica again. But in the last hour, this has dropped. Whether or not you want to believe it, that's that's a whole different story. This is coming from Globo. Um, I'm not as well-versed on Brazilian media, so I don't know how reputable this is. I don't know how reputable Mauro Cesar is at ESPN, okay? I've only been following Brazilian football at this, at this depth for about six months. Um, so I don't know who to believe. I'll be quite honest, so we're just gonna, I'm just going to have to sit and wait now. In the event that Jesus is not the answer, is not the solution, is does not accept the offer, okay? And perhaps LFV is pushing too hard right now, and perhaps he's pushed George Jesus away by demanding a little too much or demanding a commitment too quickly while the manager still has a competition to conclude. I don't know. Time will tell and details will become available. But in the event that we don't get George Jesus, I've told you before... Who I who I prefer and who I think we will get. Now, according to the same Mauro Cesar, he said that Flamengo were already in talks with Marco Silva to replace Jorge Jesus, and I thought also that that was a sign that he was coming. I don't believe Marco Silva is going to come to Benfica. Okay. I don't believe Leonardo Jardim is coming to Benfica, even though that is, if I were president, that's who I'd be aggressively going after, 
is Leonardo Jardim for the reasons I have I have mentioned in other podcasts. He has a history of a project of building a team over a couple of seasons and reaching that objective. He can do that with Benfica and still compete for titles. There's no PSG in the Portuguese league to compete with. Porto are hardly the, the powerhouse that that they've been in the past and in fact we have handed them two out of their out of the last three championships including this year's okay and the one they won before that we also handed them by dropping points to Estoril in this in the week before going to the Dragon in the famous match where Kelvin scored that goal in the 92nd minute and George Jesus fell to his knees. So Porto's last three titles were handed to them by us. We had a better team each of those three times. I do not doubt that. Now, we did not con- ever since we won the Tetra, the, the, the squad has not been built properly. And everybody and anybody that follows Benfica has been saying this, especially in the last couple weeks. Who leads this team next? One name that has me excited or that I'm really, really intrigued by, and a lot of you fans have been putting his name out there, it is the Argentine. It is Marcelo Gallardo, the current manager of River Plate, who, who, uh, following the chat on Fla TV during their match the other day, a lot of Flamengo fans also want him in the event that Jorge Jesus leaves. So Marcelo Gallardo is very much... Um, a, a hot ticket right now, a, a prospect for both Benfica and for Flamengo, whichever one does not get JJ. Um, so if, if that's the case, I hope they go after him. Um, I think it's a, a it's an opportunity. I think for him as a manager, a chance to manage in Europe, a chance to, to, to manage a club that will contend for a title. Would you rather start your European... CV, your European career at Benfica, or do you want to go and start at Alaves in Spain just because they speak Spanish? Or start, you know, at uh, Susuolo in Italy or something along those lines. I think the the thinking man and the smart football man, regardless of the economics, but if Benfica is going to throw this kind of money at JJ, they're going to have to throw it at everybody because everybody's going to expect big money. If they don't land JJ, they're going to have to pay a lot for whoever they do get. Okay. Otherwise, it's just a, otherwise they look like they're just taking the bargain offer and they're just taking a discount. Um, I think Befica can't compete for Gajardo, and I think if if Gajardo is the football man he seems to be as a manager, a thinking man, I think he will see the opportunity and the doors that Benfica can open now. That means he's not a project manager. He's a manager to come here, win a couple titles, and move to a bigger spot. Again, I've said this club has no plan right now. The way that that Luis Felipe Vieira is desperately courting Jorge Jesus at all costs tells me he has no plan anymore. Okay, because Jorge Jesus is also not a project manager. Okay, and does that mean are we throwing away the whole project of the uh, of bringing players through the Seychelles? If we are, that's fine. But we need to make that clear. If we're not, if we're sticking with it, again, I can support either of those venues as long as they're done correctly. What we can't do is somewhere in between. We can't bury the youngsters 
to bring in bums just because they're older and experienced. And either way, we don't win. No, we either go one way or we go the other. So time is going to tell. Um, hopefully, there'll be more about this next week. And um, with Benfica playing on, what did I say, Tuesday, I think I said they play. Uh this podcast will follow not too long thereafter, all right? Um, so that's going to do it for Mr. Benfica, episode 66. Decided to close it out with the news, and this is the only news there is. Um, the JJ Watch continues, and it's going to be, uh, well, it's going to be some ups and downs, and I wish, I just hope it gets resolved quickly. And I hope by Wednesday, by the time Flamengo conclude the Carioca Championship, that we know one way or the other where this is going to go. Because the club cannot wait until the end of July or until August to sign a manager, okay? Because preseason is going to start shortly thereafter, all right? And um, right now, I'm, I'm telling you, if... We don't get somebody in LFV has to promote Hanat Paiva. With all due respect, um, he's going to have a lot of unhappy supporters. And it will be very unfair to Hanat Paiva because he'll be in a lose-lose situation. This is not the time to promote the B manager. Okay? This isn't the, the time. Hanat Paiva will have his time. I, th- I do believe it. It may not be at Benfica right away. He may have to leave the B team and go take on another... Uh, first division team, but but if you also don't want to lose two managers for the cost of one, if you know what I mean, you don't want to sack Bruno Lage. You're probably gonna lose Nelson Verissimo because I don't think he's gonna be in the next staff, and I don't think you can send him back to the B team. And you don't want to promote Renato Paiva, then sack him and lose a very good B team manager who's doing the B team job very well. So stay tuned to the feed, all right? I will have a uh, Jata Jata episode up here in the next couple of days. And if you're interested, of course, and if you understand Portuguese, I'm also going to have, and I actually already have uploaded a an episode of Mr. Portugal for the anniversary of Portugal winning the 2016 European Championship. I've started the project of telling the story of the Portuguese national team and their history in the European Championships. Episode 4 is the first part of that series, and it's a review of the nine, the first match of the 1984 European Championships. It's Portugal's debut in the Euro. All right, it's West Germany versus Portugal. Check it out. It's below this episode. All right, you can check it out here, or you can check it out ad-free at the PTB Soccer Network. Just search PTB Soccer wherever you get your your podcasts, or go to www.pt. Excuse me, www.anchor.fm forward slash PTB Soccer. One word. All right, and I'm gonna announce right here, right now, that from now on. All episodes on the PTB Soccer Network are ad-free for the first 30 days. So there'll be no ads on new episodes on the PTB Soccer Network. I, I, I hope that you guys will check it out. I've got some stuff there. also got a new Parking the Bus episode dropping in the next couple days as well. Thank you for joining me here on episode 67 of Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and I will see you next week right back here at Mr. Benfica. Forza Benfica, carrega Benfica. 
Let's start rebuilding for next year so we can bring home the 38.